Hello, and welcome to Free America. I am your host, Nick Yaya, and this is the Free America podcast. Today is Sunday, October 25th, 2020, and this is podcast number 14. On today's podcast, we're going to be discussing racism in all of its aspects, and not just discussing it, but looking at it from several different perspectives, black and white, left and right, and hopefully get some of your input on this as well as we do a Q&A session later on. But before we dive into that, I'd like to get a little business out of the way, as we usually do here at the top of the broadcast. Along with many of our viewers and listeners, I share in the excitement of our show continuing to grow. We are now reporting increasing numbers of downloads from all across the United States, as well as from all over the globe, from the United Kingdom to France, Germany to Bulgaria, Kenya to Canada, and Australia to Algeria. It's pretty amazing. As our viewership and listenership continues to grow, so does our opportunity to attract advertisers. But we are not quite there yet. So, for now, we rely upon you, our viewers and listeners, to support this podcast. So, if you're digging what we bring you each week, if you're Picking up what we're putting down. If you like what we're dropping into the mic, please consider making a contribution to our show by going to patreon.com slash Podcast. You can now also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and numerous other podcast outlets such as, well, iTunes. I think that's another Apple outlet. Anyway, just first uh, search for us on Apple Podcasts by using my name, Nick Yaya, to find it. I also encourage you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Free America Podcast and on Twitter at Free America. And now you can watch our show live by visiting our website at freeamericapodcast.com, where you'll find our live stream every Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific, as well as previous shows, links to numerous podcast outlets, news articles, and other interesting and important videos. So before we get to today's guest, I'd like to talk a little bit about racism and how it is not exclusively found just on the right, as it is perpetuated by the mainstream media, who constantly insists that all Trump supporters are racists, which I personally find deeply offensive. But it can also be found on the so-called tolerant left. How can this be? Isn't the left about inclusion? tolerance and love for people of all walks of life? Apparently, that is only reserved for people that agree with them on a political or an ideological level. Over the past several years, the media has whipped the public into such a frenzy that all rational thought has gone out of the window. In the minds of many on the left, their opponents on the right have become dehumanized to the point at which it is now acceptable to engage in dishonesty, bigotry, prejudice, racism, violence, and even murder. Take Antifa, for example. Their, their name literally means anti-fascists, yet the tactics they use are in and of themselves fascist. Just this past week, Trump supporters held a free speech rally in San Francisco. Antifa showed up in force to shut down the event by using violence and intimidation. Think about that for a second. 
One group is in support of free speech and the opposing group is using violence and intimidation to prevent them from exercising that right. Sounds like fascism to me. Take a look at this short video and see for yourself what happened and that uh, down in San Francisco. And uh, here we go. from a different angle. said that Antifa is just an idea. This is what the idea you're talking about, Antifa? This is what they did to me. I'm at the hospital right now, Joe Biden, because of Antifa. So I just want to ask you, do you still think after seeing this that they're just an idea? Okay? I want you to answer that question, Joe Biden. Is Antifa, Antifa just an idea? So there you have it, folks. Um, go ahead and stop sharing that here for a second. And that's um, well, that's 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 some pretty disturbing footage, to say the least. And not only did these people, these these thugs, engage in violence, but they hurled racial slurs at a conservative black man while doing so. Now, only in the twisted mind of a so-called social justice warrior is it acceptable to call a black man the n-word in furtherance of a cause whose main thrust is justice for black people do you see a level of insanity that some people have been driven to by 
hateful ideologies that stoke racial tension and an irresponsible media that seems hell-bent on starting a race war? It seems to me that some on the left are just as racist as some on the right. And it's not just street thugs that are engaged in racist activity on the left. Even so-called celebrities who feel as if they have the right to tell us what to think, how to vote, have become more open about their condescending attitudes towards black people. First, they kept perpetuating the narrative that black people were victims that needed white saviors to come rescue them from the evils of systemic racism. And in my opinion, well, they're about 60 years too late. Our country has made huge strides in equality over the last several decades. And even more recently with Things like opportunity zones that were created under the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act signed into law by President Trump, which largely benefited Black Americans and resulted in historically low Black unemployment. But back to the point. It seems as if those on the left feel the need to virtue signal and self-flagellate in order to pander to Black Americans. In the process, they create the narrative that white people are the problem and black people are the victims. Some even go as far as telling black people how to vote. Take, for example, this recent interview with Jimmy Fallon, where Chelsea Handler says that black people can't vote for Trump. As we see right here. No, thanks. Uh, I and you know, Go. You heard about my ex-boyfriend, right? 50 Cent and his support of of, of uh, Donald Trump. Yeah, what's going on between you? I, I saw your tweets and I go, wait, what's happening? Because you said he was your favorite ex-boyfriend. And then he, what does he do? He's supporting Trump? He says he doesn't want to pay 62% in taxes, which, by the way, isn't a plan of Joe Biden's. That's, that's, that's a lie. So he doesn't want to pay 62% of taxes because he doesn't want to go from being 50 cents to 20 cents. And I and I had to remind him that he was a black person, so he can't vote for Donald Trump and that he shouldn't be influencing an entire swath of people who may listen to him because he's worried about his own personal pocketbook. So I haven't heard back from him yet, but I, I am willing to, you know, seal the deal in more ways than one if he changes his mind and publicly denounces Donald Trump. I might be willing to go for another spin, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Okay, so there you go. There you have it, Chelsea Handler. I want to go for another spin with 50 Cent. So here we have you know, a white woman telling a black man who he should and should not vote for because of the color of his skin. That's probably one of the most overtly racist things that I've heard in quite a while. And it's coming from somebody on the so-called tolerant left. This should infuriate people of all colors and of any political affiliation. Perhaps Chelsea didn't get the memo, but according to recent Rasmussen report um, posted this past Friday morning, Trump's approval by black voters jumped nine points from Thursday to Friday, going from 37% on Thursday to 46% the morning following the presidential debate. So coaxing 50 cent to vote for Joe Biden by offering to have sex with him is not only an affront to feminist ideology, but both an exercise in futility and an example of the left's desperation to win. And doing so 
while dictating to a black man in such a condescending manner is morally and ethically outrageous. I'm sure today's guests will have more than a few opinions on the subject, and they most certainly will differ from mine. That's in part the reason why I invited him on the show today. That's what Free America is all about. It's a platform where people can come together to discuss difficult and divisive topics, even if they don't agree with each other. Now, I met Sean several years ago at an improv acting class, and we've remained friends over the years. We don't speak very often because he is a very busy man. Between his career as an actor, a poet, and public speaker, it isn't often that he has time to engage on social media. But one particular post I made a couple of months ago caught his attention, and he called me out on it. So I offered to bring him on the show to discuss it, along with other issues relating to race. It's my hope that all of us will walk away from this a little better informed and perhaps more empathetic to those that we disagree with politically. So please join me in welcoming our guest, Sean Hill. Sean, welcome to the show. <laughs> all right, all right. Hold on a second. Let me get my audio back here. I don't know why I don't have audio on you, but... Um, oh! Oh, I did the mute thing. You I were did muted. That. I'm that guy right now. I'm I that guy. Was, I thought it was my technical error. Okay, <laughs> no. well, I feel better about myself now. Of course. I'm sorry you even felt <laughs> the, the guilt for one minute of thinking that. Um, yeah, no, good to be here. Well, good. Um, I'm excited to this out, and, and I'm just, yeah, and much respect to all your fans and followers across the world now. Yeah, congrats on that. Much respect. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's really exciting to know that, 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 that this through this medium uh, that I had the ability to reach people all over the globe. Um, it's, yeah. it's such a, it's such a powerful thing that only, you know, not many years ago, it was, you know, communication was a pretty much a one-way street when it turned, when it came to things like this, of course, you can pick up a phone and communicate with one person, but right. to be able to communicate with a lot of people and just like they do, you know, like the big boys do with the news media, it's a lot of fun and it's, and it's very, it's very exciting and humbling at the same time. Right. Right. For sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you seem like you're handling it pretty well, though. It's, I mean, it is a big responsibility, right? But yeah, man, I, I see you doing the research and the due diligence. And I'm looking forward to this conversation that will include research, include how we even connect our resources and just all the kind of miscommunications that happen, I think, between left, right, middle, upside down, all people, black, white, purple. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. For sure. Cool, man. So I, like I said, I'm excited to have you here and, and I'm excited because, you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't have often people on the show that disagree with me because a lot of people I know, most of the people that disagree with me have, have unfriended me on Facebook. So it's, uh, they're hard to find, you know, which is, uh, which is tough. yeah. Yeah. But, but there are still some out there who, who I guess will, will put up with my difference of opinion and, and you're, unfortunately you're one of them and I'm, and I'm glad <laughs> I'm really glad to have you um, here on the show, man. Um, man, thank you. You know, as I mentioned uh, briefly in the in the opening statement here, that you know it, it was on social media uh, that is something I posted that you brought to my attention, and I think this is actually something that we can agree on off the bat. So yeah. I know we're going to disagree on probably a lot of things, but I think what we can agree on is that is that the news media does its best to 
to trigger people, to inflame people's emotions, to play on people's emotions, utilizing um, uh, images and words and videos and things like that. And so this, 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 as, as you recall, I posted, there was a post I put where it was BLM activists assault a white girl. I think it was something, something like that was the headline. Right. And the, and the picture they posted were some and BLM activists. And, and a baby that was involved also. There oh yeah. Like a- and, right. And it was a, there was a baby involved. Right. And the picture they posted was some BLM activists walking across one of the bridges in New York. I don't know exactly which one, cause I'm not that familiar, but it, it didn't match the video that was inside the article. Inside the article was a video of some young people. It looked like they probably could have been high school age um, or fresh yeah. out of high school. Young, young, and, right. And it looked like they were actually on a high school campus where there was some benches and tables. And there was a couple of black girls and a white girl sitting on a table and her friend and her white friends were next to her and she had a little baby. And the black girls were antagonizing her. They were arguing back and forth and then they, then they fought. Now, were they BLM activists? There's nothing to really say that they were. Um, were the people on the on the front cover BLM activists? But were they involved in this incident? No. So it's an, it's completely completely misleading. And I, and I was so glad that you brought that to my attention. Mm. You know, and that's I think that's something that we can agree on that yeah. that the yeah. media plays on our emotions like that. Right. And and I to be even more specific on my perspective of that it's it's very it it hurts when it's it's media that either you trust or media that you go to consistently for reliable information that you believe is reliable or even the media that you know we hear maybe just a story about and we click on some things and some things don't check out immediately you know so again it's kind of a left right thing but it's also i'd say politically uh there are biases uh, whether it's it's media with a, an agenda or not an agenda, sometimes they don't even they're not even aware of it sometimes. But I'd say it's definitely about spectacle across the board for sure. Yeah, we agree on that, right? Spectacle, uh, read this article, read this news story. Yeah. Yeah, clickbait. I think clickbait. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'd love that we could agree on on certain things like that already from off the bat. So so that we have like I'd say a kind of at least moral compass to start from, right? Where we both want truth. We both want uh, whatever justice means to us, right? We both want uh, people to be able to trust where they get news from, right? So um, that's that's really important to me that we start off with that. I'm, I'm thanking you for that, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, no, again, you know, and thank you for kind of being the, you know, the seed from which this whole thing grew. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, uh, you know, often on social media, when someone doesn't agree with another person, they will attack. Right. Right. All right. And and you didn't do that. And and that's something that I admire about you. A lot of people. Well, I'm sure a lot of people watching don't don't know you and they don't know the kind of person that you are. You know, you're you're and I'm not trying to do this to like kind of, you know, blow smoke up your skirt. But you're you're an amazing, like a nice, genuinely nice human being who mm. looks for the best in people and looks for the best in the world and is very optimistic and loving and a caring person. And so, you know, that comes through in the way that you communicate with, with, um, with people and especially with people that you may not have an agreement with. Right. So, so it was, it was refreshing to see or to have um, someone approach me in that manner, as opposed to, you know, the, the, the attack manner, 
that you'll get a lot of times on social media. Totally, totally. And and you know what? I'll just add to that, man, is that yeah, when I confronted you with that and I and I did it in the most respectful, like non-offensive way I could think of, right? Um, and and you responded in a way also back where you were like, Oh, okay, and you know, I didn't catch that, or you said, you know, thanks, you even thanked me for being respectful. And and that's such a, you know, it's one of those like sad compliments that I get in a way where it's like you just thanked me for respecting you. Like, oh gosh, like you poor thing. What have you been through? Like, I care about you. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where, again, like uh, anytime I've been thanked for listening to someone or for hearing someone out, um, it does it does let me know just how hard things are right now. And, and what you said before about unfriending, um, I've seen those posts of friends of mine on left or right things. And they, they say that, and it, it, you know, it hurts my heart a little bit. It does, because that means we're willing to avoid each other, to disconnect from each other, instead of actually doing the hard work of dialogue and putting our egos aside to reach some common ground. Right. So again, man, like, yeah, I'm, I'm just, again, appreciating your appreciation of me. <laughs> you know, like, thank you for that. <laughs> the Mutual Appreciation Society. I like yeah. it. Well, well. <laughs> Speaking of speaking of hard work, man, I know we got some hard work ahead of us today. I mean, yeah. race is a is a very um, divisive topic. Um, a lot of people feel a lot of different things about it. There's a lot of um, well, there's just a lot of emotion behind it as well. There should be. Hmm. And, um, you know, from a from a white perspective, um, a white conservative perspective. Yeah. I'm I'm having a difficult time with some of these labels being thrown around, like like white privilege or right, right. Um, uh, you know uh, white guilt or, or or one of the things that I've i found kind of interesting is is critical race theory, mm-hmm. and for those of of our audience that that don't know what that means i've actually pulled up the definition that i'd like to share with everybody right now so let's pull that up right now for everyone to um read critical race theory okay right so according to britannica it's a couple paragraphs here critical race theory is the view that the law and legal institutions are inherently racist and that race itself instead of being biologically grounded and natural is a socially constructed concept that is used by white people to further their economic and political interests at the expense of people of color. According to critical race theory, racial inequality emerges from the social, economic, and legal differences that white people create between races to maintain elite white interests in labor markets and politics, giving rise to poverty and criminality in many minority communities. The CRT movement organized itself in 1989 at the first annual workshop on critical race theory through its intellectual origin, though its intellectual origins go back much further to the 1960s and 70s. It goes on to say that the launch of the CRT movement marked its separation from critical legal studies, an offshoot of critical theory that examined how the law and legal institutions function to perpetuate oppression and exploitation. However, Instead of drawing theories of social organization and individual behavior from continental European thinkers, such as G.W.F. Hegel, 
Karl Marx, one of my heroes, and Sigmund Freud. I'm being sarcastic there, folks. Oh, oh, that's that was sarc- got it. That's sarcastic. Got it. Got it. You were that's some good acting. That was good acting. Thank you, sir. That's why they pay me the big bucks. Um, <laughs> as a CLS and feminist jurisprudence is done, CRT was inspired by figures such as Martin Luther King Jr., W.E.B. Du Bois, Malcolm X, the Black Panthers, and France Fanon, whom I don't know who that is. Yeah, I don't know who that is either. Um, critical race theory advanced theoretical understandings of the law, politics, and American sociology that focused on the efforts of white people, Euro-Americans, to maintain their historical advantages over people of color. And finally here, it says CRT has spread beyond the confines of legal studies to many other fields, notably women's and gender studies, education, American studies, and sociology. CRT spinoff movements formed by Asian American, Latinx, and LGBTQ scholars have also taken hold. So there is our definition of critical race theory. So everybody Mm -hmm. has a better understanding of it. So to kind of distill it down, basically white people in general use their color to oppress other people or use their white status to oppress other people. I'm sorry, not color. I mean, that's, wait, is that that what you're saying you got from it? Just to be clear. That's kind of what I got from it. That white, white, white people are able, it's white uh, dominated systems yeah that that um that oppress and keep people down mm-hmm. legal systems educational systems right okay so you know what yeah i guess to dive in here and i'm not let me just disclaimer real quick for all the audience as well that i i am not a uh, harvard professor i am not a uh you know critical race theory uh professional um, I am not even, I would say, uh, a Black Lives Matter even representative, right? Um, I am an individual representing individual thought and critical, my own critical analysis and experience um, in my life. And, you know, the certain kind of uh, things that I you know I've learned and studied uh, from some of those authors that were referenced, uh, such as W.B. Du Bois and, um, and Malcolm X and other other people that I have studied enough where I could feel like I have something worthwhile to share on this topic for sure. Um, And my personal experience as um, not only a black man in America, but also I'm half Colombian. So uh, both Latin and um, not Latin, well, South American and um, I'd say Caribbean roots as well. So, so anyway, besides, before getting into this, uh, I just would love to make sure that when, when white people like this is mentioned in theories or in, even in reference when, uh, of saying white corruption or um, white, um, you know, anything with white in it that sounds like it's labeled across the board for all white people, I would love to clear that up. And that usually implicitly or not implicitly, um, it's implied, it's implied that it's only referencing the people that are doing it with the purpose behind it of hurting black people or putting down black people and then they separate the notion more specifically when it's more uh implicit bias where it's more subconscious or the kind of race theory that i know uh gets talked about oh, i forgot her name but there's like certain people that talk about it really well and they talk about just for example when a, a police officer shows up at a residence and they assume the black person there did the crime right so in those kind of moments 
that's kind of connected to what this critical race theory is even discussing is moments like those, if that makes sense. Sure. No, no, that does. That, that does definitely clear something up for me because I feel like when it's brought up, I, I, I almost feel personally attacked that right, I'm right. responsible for the oppression of, of, of black people throughout these systems and that, that I have, you know, uh, like a, like a personal responsibility or something um, for, for the actions of others, just right. because of the color of my skin. And I think we, we kind of touched on this the other day. You're like, yeah, well, welcome to the club, but it, it is kind of, a, it is true. And that, and it's actually, you know, as, as difficult as it may be for some people to, um, accept or, or acknowledge or even feel yeah. it's kind of good and in, in, in an empathic way for people to be able to experience that, that feeling. And so that they may better connect with someone who's not the same color as they are. Right. Right. And I'll, I'll piggyback on that a little bit, if I may. Yeah. Um, that the whole idea behind it is to get more empathy, more understanding to unpack any subconscious uh, racism or biases or prejudices or discriminations that people have against black people or people of color of other cultures that they may not even be aware of. That's the whole point, right? Um, and one clear example of that is the, the, the case studies that were done on hiring black people that had uh, black sounding names, right? Or African-American sounding names. And they were shown to get hired less, even though they were equally qualified for the job as someone with a more friendly white sounding name, right? Yeah. Uh, there's case studies like that done so many, so many of those like that. I, I recall and, hearing that, yeah. You've seen those, right? And then on top of that, uh, for, for, your, um, for the conservative people that are watching this, all those conservative fans, again, much respect and love to you also, because I know there's times where you're broadly labeled as a racist for supporting Trump or su supported, uh, for supporting a policy or something like that. And if you don't see the racism in it or you don't see the discrimination in it, you're like, why are you calling me that name? So again, uh, that's something I, I could make, you know, some people use the term apologist. You said that earlier, but I really care enough to say, I'm sorry that you went through that. And I'm sorry that you feel that way sometimes, you know, cause I've seen you I've seen it on your own Facebook post, man, where some people, uh, whether playfully or not, call you a racist. You know what I mean? Oh, and no, they're not playing it. Yeah, they're not, right? So, <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It's like things like that where we're calling someone a racist, you know, it vents something out for people. Maybe it, 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 it points a finger, but it doesn't solve the root of that. And so the people that really care about racism and fixing it are the ones that are doing the work to unpack it, to discuss it, to, to dialogue about it, to dive into feelings about it. Uh, to see what's really going on underneath. And and I think one clear example for those conservative-minded people is the case of uh, of a lot of the um, the Karen moments, for example, right? Uh, critical race theory would have a ball with this because it's a it's a thing where these these women tend to be more liberal-minded people sometimes. Sometimes. Um, you know, in terms of that New York incident uh, with Amy Cooper, you know, um, I think they did a some research on her saying that she was a Democrat or, you know, that she voted that way or something like that. And that even though what she did felt, looked and smelt racist, you know, to, to pretend and, and falsify a, a cop call, um, a, a police report on an African-American man saying that he, she's being threatened by him when he clearly was not doing anything mm -hmm. um, is one of those things that it came up in her. Right. It came up that she said those things and made this lie happen. And she knew somewhere in her mind 
that saying that he was African-American to the police would make them come quicker or make them treat mm -hmm. him a certain way or that he would be the, the bad person in this scenario, mm -hmm. right? And then later on, I don't know if you saw the follow-up to this, she she declares she's not a racist, that she she's not racist, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it's, again, one of those disconnects in just mentally and emotionally that I think you don't you don't even know sometimes that you're thinking things about another race or culture until a moment like that happens, uh, until a policy comes up uh, that it gets talked about, and you're like, yeah, I don't I don't like that, or I don't like the idea of those people doing those things or something like that, and it's worthwhile just reflecting on. You know, I'm not here to call someone a racist. I'm here to help someone figure out if they do think in certain ways that are prejudiced or hurtful or discriminatory, you know what I mean? Like that's for anybody. Like I care about that for anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does that help or does that clear up anything more? Yeah, that does. Um, which brings me to kind of a question. I think we, we talked about this briefly the other day. Um, can people other than white people be racist? Right, right. This is deep, man. This is so deep. So, okay. So your, your take, let's hear your take on it first. And I would love to know, um, what your feeling is on it first before I respond, if that's cool. All right, cool. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to look, I'll just keep, I don't know if I want to give you the, I'll give you the definition first and then, and then I'll okay. kind of riff on that a little bit Let's do that. Let's do that. on my, on my feelings here. So, um, uh, racism definition. I realized I didn't finish my smoothie. My gosh, this is, uh, mm. what do you got? What are you rocking there? Oh man. It's this sort of organ, uh, superfood smoothie. Uh, Keeps me going, you know. Uh, keeps my mind nice for uh, for any kind of conversations like this. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keeps sharp. <laughs> oh, and a banana. I throw a banana in there. Nice. All right, here we go. Good, good for a little little uh, potassium. Always gotta get that potassium, it. man. All right. So here is the, here is the definition of racism from the American Heritage Dictionary. Mm -hmm. It's uh, the belief that race accounts for differences in human character or ability and that a particular race is superior to others. Mm. All right, that's one definition. Another one is discrimination. What is this place? Wordnik from the American Heritage Dictionary of the English. Okay, interesting. Okay, because that yeah. matters too, even, of how yeah. many, how many, even the sources of where our sources are from, right? Go All ahead, right. go ahead. Well, I, 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 look, I look for one that was, that was uh, probably the least divisive. We can go through some of these other ones, and it's, uh, and, it, it makes it harder for me to defend my point, to be honest with you. So, um, but, so yeah, a little, I'm little sorry bit of to bias. hear that. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, a little, bit of, a little bit of bias here, but right, um, right. Go ahead, go ahead. I want to focus kind of on the second one here, which is discrimination or prejudice based on race. Yeah. Um, the third one is the belief that race has distinct and intrinsic attributes, but yeah. But relevant to my point here, discrimination or prejudice based on race. Okay. So can so is it is it is it prejudice? Is it prejudging someone to assume that because they're white that they automatically are a racist or they're automatically going to be, you know, right? Is it racist to accuse someone of racism? It's, I know that's kind of a weird question. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but it is. That's but meta. that's meta. Yeah, um, you, you kind of get what I'm saying. Um, yeah, I would. Okay, so you know what? Let's leave the definition up there so we can reference it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, All right. Hold on. I'll bring that. It up. And then if you can also bring up in a in a separate tab or the same tab of of discrimination as well mm -hmm. uh, and prejudice itself. So I'll leave you to do that work and I'll, I'll speak on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Um. 
so here's the thing when i when i hear when i hear someone black um or even another culture say man white people like oh it's so rough or they they make a joke about white people being, you know, like so many white people are Karens or something like that. Or, or even, I'd say even to get to the place where, where if, if you're assuming someone's white, uh, someone that's white is racist because they're not saying black lives matter. That's probably a more popular one I could go with. Right. Okay, yeah. So the idea of that is really the, the implications that come along with it in my mind. So if someone is saying, hey, Black Lives Matter, right, and then the white person is not going to say it or agree with it, or they think uh, BLM is this communist group, right, or they think it's saying this whole other thing, right, instead of what this person thinks it is, this Black person is assuming it is, um, then it it gives that that kind of spark to assume that this white person is racist because they're not saying something as simple as a black life matters, right? And so that's where like the communication already st starts to falter is that one, someone is making an assumption, black or white, they're both making assumptions about what the other means. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest leap already into what we're perceiving as racism. So the discrimination that's happening there is more out of the pain that the black person is feeling of saying, why don't you care about the cause I care about that is protecting me or makes me feel like I matter in this world, you know? Because um, a lot of black people don't feel like they matter in this world. Um, a lot of the systemic racism that some people think don't exist um, is, is so painful to go through that you're now a victim of it. And then you have to prove that it exists to the people that don't believe you. So it's it's a multi-layered, uh, self-defeating feeling that's really sad when you think about it. It's 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 akin. I'm not gonna ever say it's the same, but it's similar to when women's women of sexual assault have to get assaulted and then have to prove that they were assaulted and give evidence that they were assaulted, even though they're still suffering their trauma, right? Um, and it again, it's one of those things that I think we could all identify with if we look for the relationship in it. Uh, I could, I mean, you could even identify with it as a little brother. If you're a little brother and all the times your older brothers would accuse you of something or make it seem like you were the person that that broke the the vase in the in the in your parents' home or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the feeling of like, I was lied about, I'm framed right now, I'm hurt right now by my sibling. And then on top of that, I have to prove it to my parents now that I'm not a liar, that I didn't break this thing. So even then, it's your empathy, again, bringing it back to empathy, which is the, one of the biggest things from this topic, from this dialogue that I hope we all can get some more of, it's just ways to look at it where it's not about attacking or defending or calling someone racist or not racist, but it's about understanding and feeling what the other person is feeling to even get to the point where you're not hurt if someone did call you a racist but that you want to understand why are they doing that? Why are they calling me that? You know what I mean? Right, right, right. But I mean, like, for example, if, if um, well, let's get into more, like a, a more specific oh, case. The same example, like if, you know, like if a, if a white guy calls a black guy a cracker, mm -hmm. all right. Uh, yeah. I, I don't find that term to be particularly offensive or harmful to me. It's, it, right. it's definitely not, it doesn't have quite the impact of the N word. I'll tell you that. So fair, fair. Um, someone hurls that one at me, cracker, whatever. 
and it bounces right off me. But okay. it is it is a racially charged term. So my question on that would be, you know, is that kind of racist? Well, that again, that's the point, right? Is if they're meaning it as a racist term, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. technically that word is not a good thing about white people that I remember. So in terms of the term itself being, um, I would say it's more of a a prejudice term or a discriminatory term than, than one that's really also racist because I really do include that that superiority part in the first definition. That's the one that I go to so much. Mm. And that even in that Merriam-Webster definition, um, that the that the fundamental determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. Um, there are white supremacist people that literally, that they define themselves as that. Not that I'm assuming people are white supremacists. I'm saying the ones that have said they are, uh, that say things like, well, I don't want my race diluted. I don't want my white race diluted with other races, right? Mm-hmm. Or, the, or they've written entire books about why white people are better than black people. Um, and it goes back to even, I'd say, Birth of a Nation in that film that yeah. came out to, to make black people look like these animals and these chaotic individuals that want everything that white people have and, and, and steal their women and like awful, heinous lies and things like that that were started since the beginning of this country's inception. Um, so yeah, so I, I'd say in terms of the feeling of someone calling someone a cracker, right? I don't even like saying that actually. Um, <laughs> I know, I, I could tell it didn't quite roll uh, off, off the top. Oh, like, yeah, it's, mm, yeah. Ooh, I'm sorry if anyone got offended by that. Um, it's, okay. it's one of those terms that I think, again, why the person is saying that, uh, if they're angry, you know, I've seen a lot of people say the N-word when they were angry and they're white, right? So again, it's one of those things where it might bring up deep-seated racist uh, feelings or racist uh, notions, but in terms of who was right or wrong in that case or the inst- in the instance of what's happening, I think is a lot, just very important to look at, honestly. You're saying context has a lot to do context with it. Huge. Context right. is everything. Yeah, if this country was founded by black people, if this country was founded by black people, right? And then the term like cracker was used, ah, oh, and that the C word and the C word was used. Okay. Um, we'll call it the C word because I don't, I really don't like saying it. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to have like a Ritz for like another week or two. It feels awful. Um, <laughs> oh. So it's, it's one of those things where I think, I think that again, even the context socially and globally matters too. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. All right, cool. No, I can see that, man. I mean, I, I'm sure. Well, you know, I I, th- I thought of like a hypothetical just now. Like, if I were to go to a predominantly black neighborhood, I would be the minority. Well, oh, I'll say this: I yeah. I, I lived in Atlanta for about six years, and in Atlanta, I experienced that for the first time in my life. I was the minority. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a majority of black people in Atlanta. Yeah, and so, um, you know, in that context, uh there would be, I wouldn't say, uh, go as far as say you know, black superiority because I don't think they held themselves as superior over me, right. but I would, but I was definitely in the minority. Therefore, you know, they were the majority, it was black majority. Um, you know, did I feel, did I feel attacked racially? So on some, on some occasions, but not in general, no, you know, mm-hmm. and I would, and I would, and I would think 
that on the flip side of that, from the black experience in, in living in, in predominantly white areas, that in general, you wouldn't feel that. Am I, am I mistaken? I mean, do you, do you feel like on a daily basis that, you know, you're, you're hunted down by cops or that people are constantly, you know, crossing the street to get away from you? Or, I mean, is that something that you've experienced? You know what, just to, just to give a, a funny moment in my mind is when, uh, is during this COVID epidemic, uh, I, I was, I felt so powerful and, and happy that, that I was the one that crossed the street first to avoid someone. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, I'm crossing the street to avoid you. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And it's, it, it is, <laughs> um, hopefully people find that funny, but yeah. the, thing is, the thing is that it's one of those things of, of living in, um, in terms of what people are confused about or not confused about what systemic racism is, is that the scary part is that I don't even know when or how often that does happen, right? I would never be able to know if someone did cross the street because they thought I was a threat to them or that I might steal their purse, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's times where I do feel uh, singled out because of my race when my white friends talk to me differently than, than just people in general, you know what I mean? And they use extra slang words with me like, yo man, you know, what? how's it hanging dog? And I'm yeah, like- Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I just met you a few minutes ago. I don't know why you're talking to me like that. Or, you know what I mean? Or, um, or friends of mine that I have known for a few years that I asked them like, do you talk like that with all your friends equally or is it just with me? You know what I mean? Because I don't want to assume, right? I don't want to be um, more prejudiced in that sense of just assuming that's why, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it's one of those things where I have felt fear from the cops because that was something that I've seen uh, personally in terms of how it felt also, and I've experienced it, of, of being the person that fit the description. You know what I mean? I've been that person and and put back into a police car uh, because they were trying to look for someone. And they they went through my vehicle and searched my vehicle for something that they didn't tell me what it was about. They didn't tell me what the description was. They didn't show me a picture of the person. Um, none of that. So when you say that I fit the description of someone, I would love to see the description at least. Treat me like a human being. Mm-hmm. Treat me like someone that 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 deserves that kind of respect. If you're gonna like take me by the hand and put my hands behind my back, and then say that you're doing this, you know, because you're concerned about the community's safety. And then the ironic part is how often these are cops of color that are saying that and are trained in that way of thinking of just doing their job. So I'm able to see and separate the moments of racism and the moments of of police inefficiency or the moments of police brutality. Like mm-hmm. those are very three different things when a police police uh, officer doesn't do their job well, when they do it out of corruption and they're planting evidence or when they say racist things or they have emails and texts that were racist or uh, there was one case where uh, cops were shooting at um, mug shots of people that were all African-American or had different ethnicities as well in there, mm. um, things like that. Or there was a North Carolina case, North Carolina case. If you want to pull this up, by all means, um, there was a cop recorded on audio saying, I can't wait to, uh, something to the effect of, I can't wait to slaughter these N-words and that'll put them back a few generations or so. Right. Mm. And 
And when you hear officer, that's a cop. That's someone that's saying they're yeah. going to protect our community. Right. We're saying that. And you have to look at it more where, okay, I'm, I'm scared because I don't know if that cop is going to pull me over someday. I'm right. scared because I don't know what that cop might do if, you know, between me and they're trying to hunt down another suspect, they assume I'm the suspect because they already don't like black people, right? Um, these are the kind of things that go through my mind when I do meet a police officer, of course, of course, because I've known too many stories now. And I also made a YouTube playlist that that has all these kind of stories and incidences. And and to be clear on people that might be triggered by this on, on the conservative mind side, uh, there are black officers that commit police brutality. Let me say that. Uh, that I don't think that gets said enough where it's like, just to make y'all happy, like, hey, uh, well, yeah. I, I want to ask you, I mean, that being, that, do that. I mean, but that being the case, you know, and I pulled up the definition of institutional racism. Do you mm -hmm. think that this is an, it is institutional, meaning that it's, it, it is, it's embedded as a normal practice within, within a society or in an organization as a normal mm -hmm. practice. Yeah. Okay. I, I would say that's abnormal. I wouldn't, you know, you, of course you're going to get bad cops. You're going to get bad judges, you got bad politicians, you got bad doctors, but is it, but is it institutional is the, you know, is the question. That's what a lot of people are saying. It's like America is, is inherently racist. It was founded on racism. It's there's, it's institutional mm -hmm. in all of all levels of our society. And I'm, I really, I'm going to be honest with you Yeah. Uh, and, and trying to be completely unbiased. I don't see it. I don't see the right. institutional aspect. I see it. There is racism. You're right. But I don't think it's institutional. Okay. So what what for you would make it institutional? How many cases or how many places or what 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 for you would would make you believe it's institutional? Okay. If we go back to let's say the 1960s, mm -hmm. where it was you and you there's historical record of people in positions of power dictating policy that is is obviously anti-black. All right. And obviously says that, you know, we're going to do this to black people. We're going to put these black people in jail or or, or whatever. We're going to right. we're going to suppress them. We're not going to let them vote. Right. Not let them go to our schools. You right. know, you saw this a lot in the South in the 60s. OK. Um, and so that to me is like systemic. Right. There, there, there's an overarching thing where they're trying to prevent, like I said, education and voting, and all these other things. OK. So. But now it, it seems, I mean, you could, you could look at, it, at any institution, whether it's higher learning mm -hmm. or um, in, in public office or yeah. in terms of, uh, of, of law enforcement and law, uh, whether you're talking about in the, you know, judges in the court system or police or whatever, um, you know, you've, got, you've got multiple ethnicities participating in these institutions mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I, I just don't see how it's possible for those institutions to be systemically racism being that's the case. Got it. Got it. No, I understand. I understand now what you're saying. Um, so here's the interesting part is that, yes, there's a, there's multiple people in office now that are, that are ethnically diverse. All that stuff is beautiful. Um, and, and it, it's something that, that yeah, that I, I give credit to America for doing. You know, I I I believe in this country so much of of holding itself accountable and the kind of good that it does that 
that we can do more and that we can do better, of course, right? And that doesn't mean I hate America if I think we can do better, right? Um, and here's the thing, to get to a place where I'd say, even noticed, noting how hard it was for these people of color to get into that office would help you understand how institutionally racist the system is. Uh, was. No, no, is, still is. But it's it's not as much, thankfully, but there's it still exists in my opinion. And I'll give you plenty of infinite, like so plenty of evidence, Nick. I Nick, I literally made a YouTube video, I mean YouTube playlist to like make the evidence happen for people. Visual if you want to watch it, if you want to roll it, we can pull it up, man. Oh, wait, I will, I will. But here's the thing: to even get to the point where it started off with 10, 20, then I got to like 200, 300 videos, Nick. And oh, like it's it's it gets hard. I'm saying emotionally, right? To have all this information out there that that was easy enough to look up on my end. That I encourage your viewers. I encourage people that that really want to know the other side of things. That you can look it up as well. And and like you said, there's moments where you look up a definition of something and you're like, oh, it kind of goes against my narrative or it goes against the way I was originally thinking. And those are moments where we should be happy that the world isn't as messed up as we thought it was. Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of moments where I think we could actually be happier that the truth of what we're looking up isn't helping our narrative of how jacked up it is, right? So I think that's one thing um, to even bring up. But I'd say this case of a state attorney, let me see if I'll, I'll yeah, I'm kind of excited to share my screen for the first time. This is so fun. Um, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Uh, let me see. I, and it's a long list, so forgive me. But um, gosh, yeah, it's it's a long list. Hold on. That's I think cool. the beginning. Yeah, this one. So, all right. I'm going to pull this up. Make sure if you if, you, if it's got audio in the lower left corner, there's a little box. So that's the reason yeah. for the stop. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. On. Hold on. Don't oh, right. start yet. So... Yeah, I have a little delay. I have a little lag on my. Well, here, what you do, you, you share okay. the screen. You gotta, you gotta click that thing at the bottom there that says share. Yeah. Screen. And, and, then, uh, and you know, while, when, the window, when the window comes up, if you want to share like your browser window or whatever. Yeah. You're, you're gonna click on that, and then in the lower le left corner no, of that, it's gonna say share, share audio. I got you. I got you. Uh, it's it's one of those things where it's tough because there's a lag, and then on top of that, um. Yeah, I think it's okay. I think it's gonna work now. And you said the audio in the lower where? Lower lower left corner. Okay. Well, you've already shared it, so it might not be up there still. No, I didn't see it actually. Wait, I didn't see it. All right, so like in the lower left. Click click on share screen, then then click on. I guess you're using your browser tab, like Chrome tab. Yeah. Okay, click on that. Now you see in the lower left corner it says share audio. Little checkbox. It says don't show these tips again. Well, click that, but underneath that, there should be a thing that says share audio. Interesting. I don't know. We could try it. Maybe maybe it'll do it automatically. Yeah, I think it'll, maybe it'll do it automatically. Um, all right, here we go. Here we go. All right. We'll try, it out. We'll try it out. I believe in us. I believe in us. And thank you again to your viewers for your patience. <laughs> all right. I think we, we can go. do it. All, all right. right. Y'all ready? Yeah, let's so roll it. One example. One example of many. Oh, you're good. <clears throat> what agency you with? 
I'm the state attorney. Okay. All right. So Thank you. Exactly. Attorney. Come back. Never seen that before. I'm sorry. Yeah. We're good now. So it was, we ran the tag. It, I've never seen it before. A Florida tag. It's never come back to anything before. <clears throat> so that's the reason for the stop. Who was the tag going for? I'm sorry. What was the tag run for? Oh, we run tags all the time, whether it's the traffic lights and, and that sort of stuff. That's how we figure out if you know cars are stolen and that sort of thing. Also, the the windows were really dark. I don't have a tint measure, but that's another reason for the stop. Right. Oh. Guys have cards on you? Yeah, one second. Actually, this isn't my car, but I can write my name down. If you'd like. <clears throat> so, so just to check in with you, do you understand what's happening at this point? Right. So he pulled the car over. He ran he ran the tags, mm -hmm. which is pretty standard procedure from what I understand from law enforcement. Um, they do that to determine, like he said, whether the vehicle is stolen, whether there's uh, any outstanding warrants, perhaps for the occupant. The, the, the car did have dark tinted windows, so he couldn't see the occupants. So um, and the tags were something that he was unfamiliar with. Mm -hmm. Right. So a couple so, of things right there. Right. So here's the thing now, as a black person watching this, there's th those are the reasons that are given so many times by officers to justify a legal running of tags where there was no there was no law broken there was no there was nothing even with the tint that they could prove was uh you know a legal amount of tint you know what i mean so it's one of those things where if the case was about the tint they would they could pull them over and, and measure the tint or ask them about the tint stuff like that but when you're already running tags that's that's something that you do in case you're trying to track down a criminal. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that's already a discrepancy. When they find out that it's the state attorney, their whole attitude changes up. Yeah, 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 yeah. You saw that, right? Yeah. And it's something that I think, again, is worth mentioning where not only does this happen with um, with celebrities, with state officials that are black, um, there's, there's cases of racism or not even racism, but discrimination, I mean, that happen so often still within our system that these are police officers. So they're part of a system, right? And I think that's, that's again, one example. And I think, I think it's something that it's worth reflecting on instead of having a quick decision about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, should I finish playing it? Cause it's only like another minute or so. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. And the, the power reversal here, where she's getting their information down, is also very worth noting. What's your uh, employee number? Because Ready. when average people ask that, it there gets very are. combative sometimes between the police officer and the person asking that information. Have a good day. Right? Uh, so again, it's one of those moments where I think it's worth noticing. And and I have a list here. Yeah, you can kind of see my list here too. Um, so there's you know, but I mean I've been pulled over for, for dark tint. Yeah. No, absolutely. But here's and the I, thing. I know people who have been pulled over um based on the uh, then this is when I was much younger and I was riding around with people probably who I shouldn't have been riding around with, mm -hmm. um, you know, who had who had warrants. Um, or who had been in the who had been in trouble with the law before, and so, and you're right. There's a there's a bias that goes with that. So they run those tags. They say, oh look, this person has had 
you know, this felony or this misdemeanor or has had a DUI previously. Maybe it's likely that they're they're driving under the influence now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then they'll make up uh, make something up to pull them over. Oh, you didn't you didn't use your turn signal when you changed lanes. That's why I pulled you over. Have right. you had anything to drink? You know, or do you have any drugs in the car? So you're right. I mean, that's the way uh, the way the system is set up to um, and, and not entrap people, but to to um, I, I mean, to find criminals, right? To find people breaking the law. No, but here's the thing. When you say you were closer with entrapment because police themselves, police people, police officials have admitted that there are certain quotas that some of their forces are still required to fill. And when there's certain demographics that they'll assume have done more crime or more legal in certain ways, it it makes them pull over black people the most or, or Latin people the most, Latinx people the most to get to a place where they can fill those quotas better. So, and again, that's not a conspiracy. I'm not trying to say all right, cops. Right, right, right. I mean, statistically speaking, um, and the, the, the DOJ numbers back this up, um, that black, the, the criminals and suspects in a lot of these cases tend are, are, are per capita on more on average, uh, black. Is right. That, that's, that I mean, even if that's true, that's not the point. Again, if we're talking about police brutality and illegal pulling over of black people, and then for example, with Philando Castile, he was pulled over for a taillight. And he ends up dying and getting shot because they thought he had a gun on him or that he was reaching for a gun or something to that effect. Uh, I forget the numerous kind of stories like that. But you got to remember, there, there. this question started with you asking me if I've ever been in fear of my life right. when a policeman pulls me over, right? right. right. I'm letting you know there's okay. just reasons for why people have that fear because cops are pulling people over without any really do just cause. And even the do just cause for a taillight infraction, for example, escalations happen unnecessarily to the point where people are losing a father or brother, a daughter, a mother. Well, let's, let's, that's the issue. And let's talk about that. Now you talk about escalations and, and in the cases of, and we can look just to this past year and I've, I've kind of done a deep dive into this out of the 14 <laughs> unarmed black men that were killed last year, only two, were not um, fighting with the police, trying to take the police officer's weapon, or okay. or otherwise engaged in some kind of resistance with the police. So, it's it's okay. Perhaps the officer initiated the stop, but it's it's the person who then escalated it. And and I'm I'm sure as yourself, and I've always been as as much as I as I can be respectful to cops when they pull me over. I'm not going to make any quick moves or like you know, reach for something or, or, you know, I'm going to keep my hands on the wheel because I don't want to, I don't want to put them in position where they think they're in danger, then they're going to shoot me, you know? And I think, I think a lot of people think the same way, but you know, if, if you're like pissed off that there's, there's a great Chris Rock video about this. He's like, if, if, you know, the ways not to get your ass kicked by cops is basically don't, you know, cop pulls you over. Don't be like, what you want, motherfucker? You know, like, why'd you pull me over? All of a sudden you're creating this, 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 you know, this, um, I don't know, you know, angry situation where they're going to react and you're going to react and it's going to escalate. And, you know, who knows what could happen. So, but that's not to say that, that there aren't instances where the police 
um, like you said, I just are just pulling over black people because they're black, right? Is that that's that's what you're saying? No, no, not at all. I'm saying the the quotas that cops are filling that there's they have more of an inclination to pull over people that they think are more likely have done something illegal that okay. they think more likely have some kind of warrants that they're running tags on people like that. Right. So so again it's one of those reasons that cops have given before to justify those kind of actions that they do and I'm not saying the escalation is always their fault. Again, it's one of it's what you said just now, just to let you know from a bigger picture point of view, right? Not that I'm saying you meant to do this, uh -oh. but it's a very distractionary tactic, right? Is okay. that you're bringing up the people that are aggressive or that did do a crime maybe, or are, are being inflammatory with police. But again, the stories that I could bring up where none of that happened and someone still got shot uh, with just an illegal amount of police brutality or got in chokeholds and things like that. it It's one of those things that like the topic is still right here and we're talking about this now, or we're talking about this now. So, you know what I mean? You, does that yep. make sense? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and then even then to address that topic though, even then if uh, what they said, for example, about George Floyd was right, were that he was on drugs or something of that effect, right? Or that he was resisting a little bit. For them to have him pinned down, can we all just agree that he was no longer a threat, that no officer's life was endangered, that yeah. there was no reason to continue having a knee at his throat? Can we agree on that? Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people would agree on that. So to get that he, he was, oh, go ahead. Wasn't he also in, in cuffs at that point? He was. He was already in cuffs. He was, he was having an anxiety attack. Yeah. And the way Tucker Carson or a number of other people spun it, I believe Candace Owen might have done this. And again, I say this not with an attack on them, but I say this with an empathy of reaching out to those people that spin stories like George Floyd's story, is that can you not see that he was under duress, that he said things like, oh, please don't do this, man. Please don't do this. I'm scared. I'm, I'm, I'm just nervous. I'm nervous. And he kept saying those things. And he even said he had a moment where he's claustrophobic. Anyone that knows the fear of claustrophobia it's frightening. My dad has a little bit of it. And we do our best to keep them in open aired cars whenever we drive. It's something that right. we cater to that we well, care yeah, about. And actually, in speaking of that, George asked to be uh, asked to be let out of the car because of that. And they kept him in the car for a second. Then he's like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe as he's sitting in the car. And and so he asked to be let out of the car. He said, let me give me let me get out of the car. Let me get out yeah. of the car. And so they didn't drag him out of the car and put him on the ground. He asked to be, and they pulled him out of the car and set him on the ground. Now, you didn't see them like attacking him in the back seat. You didn't see that part. He be, they, there's no direct camera angle on that, so there's no way to tell what exactly happened. There's one that shows okay. from the driver's side looking in the in the back door, and he's sitting there, and the cops talking with him. He's like, "Okay, calm down, man. Just calm down. He's got. It's, it's all right. Okay." He's like, I can't breathe, man. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. He's like, it's okay, man. Just calm down. He's yeah. like, look, I, I can't be in this car, man. I can't be in this car. And I, and and so um, then the the camera angle switches, and you see from far back them reaching in the car. Now, whether or not he's struggling to get out of the car, and they're trying to detain him in there, or if they were um um trying to rough him up or something to, I don't know, 
calm him down. I don't, I don't know how that would work. Me neither. Me but, neither. Um, but you know, the, the, that's, that's missing information. And like I talked about earlier, information leads to understanding, understanding can lead to peace, but, um, we're not, we don't have that information right there. So, so, but, we, but, but Nick, but we do have the information that for eight minutes, there was a knee to his neck and he was not causing anyone distress of their personal well being. Right. I was an officer. Can we, we right. agree on that? Yeah. And you got, and you got to wonder why, why? No, no, I don't. Again, Nick, this is where we probably disagree hard, but in terms of empathy, can you at least say that the cops could have handled that situation where they appeased to his sense of unease and, and he didn't feel good. And there was no rush to get him. There was oh. no rush to get him into the back of this. Give him some air, slow down. From their, from their, from their yeah. point of view, and I'm sure they hear it all the time from, from people who have committed crimes. And he, the guy, he's not, he's not some innocent dude that just happened to get caught up in a, you know, a police get, uh, getting arrested him for a counterfeit bill. He had a lengthy rap sheet. You know, he had, uh, a violent and dangerous criminal history. And so they took this into consideration. I mean, he knew the cop knew him. They had known each other for years. And so he, the man's going to say whatever he's got to say to get out of that situation. People lie all the time, especially criminals. Criminals lie all the time. That's what they do. That's why they, that's why they commit crimes, man. They're unethical people. So to say that he wouldn't, that he wouldn't be lying in that situation to try to get out of it, I, I don't buy it. I mean, I think that he was that in part, he was just trying to say whatever he could so that he wouldn't get arrested, man. You know, say, oh, you know, I, I, you know, oh man, I can't, you know, please, I'm, I'm scared and this and that don't do this and don't do that. I'm sure cops hear that all the time. I'm not saying that's what he was doing, but cops hear that all the time, man. That's no, but Nick, wait, hold on. If you're going to say this stuff, at least own what you just said. Okay. Cause you just said you didn't buy what he was saying. You just said that, right? I didn't, uh, didn't buy what Floyd was saying. Yeah, you just said you, he, a criminal is going to say what they want to say to not to get sent to jail. You just said that. Right. Criminals do do that. Absolutely. Right. Whether, or, whether or not, I mean, it's, it's, it's not my judgment that he was or wasn't. It's, let, me, let me clarify that. Okay. 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 It's, it's possible that he could have been doing that. But I'm saying is from the cost perspective, they see that all the time. You know what I'm saying? From, yeah. from people with, with criminals, with known criminals and people with criminal histories. And and in a, in a town that size, they they knew who he was, and they had actually had interactions with him previously. And so, and, in, in their mind, they're probably thinking, "All right, this guy's just saying this because he doesn't, he, you know, he's trying to get out of this somehow. Doesn't want to get arrested or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know what the thought was going on in their mind. I can't tell you that. I'm just saying that I can I can picture it from that perspective. You know, I try to I try to look at it from 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 the from different points of view. From their point of view, this is perhaps why they might've been thinking uh, or why they did what they did and what they were thinking when they did that, you know, but was it, was it necessary to have a knee on his neck? I don't think so. Um, that apparently is. So. That Nick, appar you don't think so. No, no I don't think so. Is that not the same as no, no, it's not the same. Okay. Well, here's the let me, let Nick. me qualify that. Allow oh. me to qualify it. Yeah. Yeah. That that I, if you look into the the training that these guys do, that's standard procedure for detaining a suspect. All right, and if you looked at the post mortem on it, there wasn't compression of the neck. All right, there wasn't uh, a blocking of his trachea and his esophagus or any of that, or on his carotid artery to prevent blood from going to the brain. 
uh, postmortem showed that there was high high toxicity. Hey, hey, of- can I stop you for a second? Can I stop okay. you for a second? Here's the thing. It's it's kind of I'm gonna let you know this again. I'm not. I know you're not doing this on purpose, but it's insulting to retell me the case of this story. And again, we're getting off topic a little bit. Okay. We're because- talking about the knee on the neck. No, 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 no. Hold on. If you're bringing up the, the the postmortem and all this stuff, yeah, there were other things that aggravated why he died. I'm saying in terms of the necessity, uh, again, if you want to bring up police brutality and what that means, can we look that up? Can you bring that up for me? Yeah. Because I think that's what we're missing right now is the idea that this did not need to happen this way. But I feel like you're okay. justifying it because you're saying, I don't think... He needed this knee on the neck, but it's it's normal practice for cops to do that, even though he had cuffs on and he's lying on the floor. So I, I really want you to again when you say you you bring people. I don't, on, I don't think I don't think it was necessary. Nick, I don't. On, please, Nick, if you're bringing me on here to hear my perspective, I don't, I'm letting you know I don't feel heard right now. I don't feel like I'm understood by you right now. Okay. Well, okay. Does that matter? Is that okay to say that? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's completely fine. And I'm glad that we, that we have the opportunity to, to suss this out because I think this is the disconnect that a lot of people are having. Yes. I agree. I agree. All right. So, so here's just something in Britannica I pulled up. It says police brutality in the United States, the unwarranted or excessive and often illegal use of force against civilians by us police officers. Right. Forms of police brutality have ranged from assault and battery to mayhem, torture, and murder. Some broader definitions of police brutality also encompass harassment, including false arrest, intimidation, verbal abuse, among other forms of mistreatment. And and let me clarify also is that I don't think this was a a clear case of racism either. That I know, like you said, these two people knew each other. They worked at the same club for I don't know how long. Right. And that there was hostility between them. So... The chance that a cop was called over here when when George Floyd was found out to be of any kind of suspect in this thing with a with a um, a forged bill, and for that specific officer to be called over, I think that's worth looking into. I think that's something that means it was personal or that there was something else there. Um, can we agree on that at least as a possibility? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I think I'm glad you brought up the point about police brutality, because I think that's what this converse, not our conversation, but the broader conversation is really about is, is there is an issue with police brutality in America. And there's, I don't know, there's any denying that. There Um, is. There's a lot of denying of that. Well, like, you know, a lot of people are saying there's only, it's only a few bad apples. Is it systemic? I th- think it would be safe enough to say that with the 30,000 decertified officers that happened that USA Today brought up and you could look up their police databases to see why these officers were reprimanded and then to see how many of these officers get moved to different precincts or that they aren't fully reprimanded or that they're let off with warnings. Uh, that certain officers had previous cases where they've attacked people or that there was police brutality that they even agreed to, that that was the actual case, and then they still are allowed to do their job. I think there's there's more to it. And as well as the whistleblower officers that say and call out when other officers are committing brutality or corruption, and then they're the ones that get fired or let go from their precinct. Yes, I think it's safe enough to say 
that in a number of different police counties, forces and all that stuff, it's not bad to say that there are corrupt cops that are making all the good cops look bad. Right. And I think more good cops should speak on this and talk about it more. And I remember Vice Media did a great job of having, uh, I think, eight different police officers from different places, some retired, some still working, talking about this. And it was I have absolutely recommend that video. Uh, I, I will. I will check that out. In fact, we may put a link to that. And yes, yes. I'll send, you so send that to me, please. Um, um, now, I, I would like to and on the same subject, I'm not trying to change the subject. And yeah, no, problem, no problem. I think part of the problem that police have is that is the one in the way that they're trained. All right. Mm -hmm. And I and I've spoken to a, a police officer whom, whom I know actually quite well about yeah. this and about the use of force and and how they use it to control a situation so that it doesn't escalate or spiral out of control and end up they get hurt or the suspect gets hurt right and he gave me an example of this this is out in denver where he works and they were called to um, this apartment complex where it's it's not in a it's in it's in a, a lower class lower income neighborhood and uh, people of all ethnicities live there. In fact, this was a, a white guy that they were called to his house. Music was too, it was apartment rather. Music was too loud. They went and knocked on the door, um, asked him, hey, look, we've had some reports, needed to turn down the music. He said, fuck you, and tried to slam the door in their face. And he stopped the door, opened it up, and he, and he pinned him against the wall and said, turn down the fucking music or we're going to take you to jail. And he's like, okay, all right, sorry. He turned down the music and it was fine. They left, no issue. Next night, right. all comes in again. Same dude, music blaring. Except this this officer is on the other side of town now. So another set of officers who are less experienced, who don't really have the the, the training down, go to the scene, and they knock on the door. Same sort of thing happens. Fuck off. And they're like, "Well, sir, look, you know, we really would appreciate it if you, you know." And they didn't. They didn't. De they didn't take control of the situation. They didn't mm -hmm. detain him. They didn't um, control him. And he walked away from them, went around the corner, reached, got a gun, fired yeah. at them. All right. Nearly yeah. one officer, but didn't. And then they returned fire and they killed him. And so, and so my point is, is that in this case, if they would have been more um, aggressive, more assertive in controlling the suspect, that would have saved his life. And and possibly it would have prevented them from possibly getting killed as well. And so I think when police are put in these situations, that training kicks in and and um, and then you add in adrenaline and and just the human factor of fear. And and things, I think, quickly can spiral out of control. So and it, and it ends up being not good for anybody. And it's a it's a tough it's it's really difficult. They brought in, uh, uh, I think, uh, one of the BLM activists to a police training center, and presented him with several scenarios. I don't know, you maybe you have seen this video. Yeah. I have. Um. And and he was like, "Wow, I didn't, I didn't even think about that." You know, where the guy you know went behind the car, picked up a gun, boom, 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 you're dead. Or when the, these two sus, these two guys were fighting, and he's like, "Hey, trying to break it up," and the one guy came at him and basically attacked him and he didn't have time to do anything. He, he was overpowered. Mm -hmm. And so it's these situations that they get put in that, that ultimately result in some, some cases an unarmed person being shot or killed. And, and 
it's to generalize and say that that it's that it's that it's race based because the people might be of a different race than the officer. I think is an unfair is an unfair clarification, and I think doesn't serve anybody in this whole process because that's what it seems as if a lot of the BLM movement is about. It's like, no, this is an attack on black people when in fact it's the the problem is dual. It's it's it is um, police brutality and and bad training, and mm-hmm. then on the other hand, you've got um, the issues of crime that occur in black communities as a result of. Um, a lot of these policies that have resulted in, you know, fathers not being around, and they say that that. And, wait, know. wait, may, may I? Before we go into that kind of reasoning or yeah. the kind of stuff, can we stay on this topic for sure, just for a little bit? Can yeah. we? Is that sure. fair? Is that fair. Yep. 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 Okay. Um. So when you when you bring up this this example, um, it's not again. It's one of those things that's. Just to let you know, man, it's one of those, again, that, that's not the topic. Uh, asking um, a potentially might have been a criminal kind of guy about his music and he goes and gets a gun. That's something where it's like, yeah, there's also a million other complaints where they've done that. And it didn't turn into a situation like that. And it, it wasn't about race. Like situations like that are absolutely not about race. When I bring up situations about race and I tell you about the North Carolina cops, that specifically said they want to slaughter black people, right? Um, those kind of cases where they 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 have emails and racist emails about black people that were disseminated through their police force in another whole case. Um, the illegal stop and frisk in New York that was perpetuated for I don't know how many years. So those kind of things are very specific and talking about race, Nick. You know what I mean? So again, it's one of those cases you're bringing up this horrible case. And I, again, I... My heart goes out to police people, like anyone on the police force. Um, I have family and friends that are, have been part of uh, LA police as well as New York um, detective units and things like that. So again, I'm I'm not attacking police. I'm I don't I don't I'm not trying to um, you know abolish the police or things like that. And and even the term defund the police and abolish the police, people don't fully understand and get that. So even then, it's one of those things where. The dialogue needs to be more specific than what we're talking about right now. You know what I mean? Mm. But but do you think that that the okay these incidents and like you said in North Carolina, is that is that representative of a larger problem or is that localized? I mean, do you think? Yeah, no, I, that's a solid question. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, do do you think that's pervasive throughout throughout the country? I mean, I I would. I have no idea. I don't have evidence to support one way or the other that it is or it isn't. I would like to think that it's not. Right. Um, no, thank you for being honest. Nick, yes. That's that's the stuff I love when you do. Like, I love when we're able to do that as people when I'm like, yeah, I don't know that. Like, I don't know that fact, right? And right. I'm not afraid to say that either. So, you know, I'm probably going to say it 10 times more tonight. Um, so, again, the fact that you're saying you don't know this. I Again, I'll give you the YouTube playlist. I'll give you this kind of information. So, when I share these stories... Uh, that I've seen either firsthand or I've seen the video of, and I'm trusting you've seen the videos you're talking about or you've done the research you're doing. It's one of those things where we're comparing notes. We want to sift out the kind of stuff that doesn't make sense, right? And we want to agree on that common reality that we're trying to both reach for, yeah? More or less, yeah. Yeah. Right? right? So the countless times I can tell you, um, I mean, did you know, okay, let me ask you this. Did you know... 
that one of the earliest forms of policing were slave patrols. Yes. Okay. Did you know that that symbol of a star is still represented today on sheriff badges of the star and it still looks kind of like that, right? I don't know what the correlation of the star is. Yeah. Like there, it's just one of the earliest badges that they had that say slave patrol and it was a little star. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's I, all. I didn't, I didn't um, know that. Yeah. There's little things like that that throughout history like that oh like when i found that out and i discovered that i would feel more comfortable if that changed with police I, like I, you know I, what i mean I, i've heard that look I've, I've read that that piece about um early police forces being based on on slave patrols mm -hmm. but i'm gonna have to kind of i'm not gonna i'm not gonna call i'm not gonna say i'm calling bs because yeah, i yeah. think that there have been police forces around to see what, what when would that be that would be you know in the early to mid 1800s so i think i would think that there were policemen in other parts of the country like let's say in new york or mm -hmm. in washington um after the revolutionary war that were there to i don't know provide some kind of civic uh, or civil yeah no of course of course yeah. no no I, I haven't reached my point yet. I thought you were okay. going to interrupt me right. about something else. So I'm saying through the evolution of policing and, and what it's become or what it's, it was, uh, it's meant to serve and, you know, to, to, to serve and protect, right. That theme, right. Um, it was something that, that a lot of people could get behind or that we could all respect and understand and love. Right. And then the more stories that you would hear about, and this is before black lives matter. Um, police brutality in the sense of how long it's been around and how long it's been pervasive. Uh, you know, back to Rodney King. Do you remember the Rodney King tape? Yeah. So again, like I, there's no way to blame Black Lives Matter for that or, or say that there's some kind of conspiracy that um, people are, are trying to get rid of the police. No, we've always wanted police to be held accountable for their illegal actions. That's it. Right. That's really it. Yeah. Like if police are doing corrupt things, let's stop them from doing it and yeah. punish them with the same kind of law, right? Totally. Um, and it's it's one of those things where when you learn about qualified immunity with police and that they're always protected from certain things that they do, uh, the amount of um, even rapes that, that police officers have done uh, of suspects or victims that that it's that kind of stuff gets it. It hurts a little bit to talk about, but it's again one of those things that. I think we should talk about more because we hold police and military and certain officials that such high standards that it's almost offensive to say that they could do anything wrong. You know what I mean? Or that certain that communities seems, that I know, you know what? I was going to say that seems to be pervasive across all positions of power. Look at politicians, look at the, look at the shit that they get away with. No, but that's the whole point is that right. a lot of the politicians haven't gotten away with it. And some of them have for sure. Yeah. So, for example, again, to make to make those conservative viewers happy, I'm not afraid to say this: those Democrats that came out and said I had worn blackface stuff uh, back in college or something, I'm like, dang, all right, oh gosh, all right, I'm glad we found that out. Okay. And then on top of that, I think it was in the same month that another senator or politician or somebody or governor, I forgot who it was, said the same thing. Nick, they they were like, yeah. 
uh, I'm going to have to step down from my office because uh, I also was uh, partaking in uh, a blackface party or something or whatever that was. I don't know if it's necessarily that they came out or that they were exposed. Yeah, they exposed for sure. Um, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, if they, if they found it out themselves and looked it up and they were like, Hey, I did this, that would have been amazing. Oh, high five. I'm like, yes, own that racism. Come on back. Well done. Um, Cause that's the thing doing something racist, in my opinion, doesn't make you an evil person. Right. I'm saying if you do those racist things, you say these racist ideas, you put down other people and you keep doing it and you don't care and you're not trying to be aware or you're not trying to learn from those situations. That's the whole issue that we need to talk about. And a lot of people aren't even seeing the racism that's happening. Like I'm still trying to prove it to you. I'm still here trying to prove to you that there's so many cases and there's no way I guess I could do that unless we go one by one for a few days and show you one maybe. I don't know. What do you think? We're definitely going to have to have you come back on because we are getting kind of close to our, uh, yeah. our 90 minutes here. And I, I just can't believe how fast this is going. Yeah, that went fast. I'm not um, but I mean, there's there still is a lot of uncovered territory here, and a lot of a lot of things actually. Before you know, we kind of wrap up on this last subject. I'll agree with you, and something I learned recently, and that I wasn't aware of, that the police are are legally not bound to protect anybody. The only time that yeah. they are bound to protect you is when you are in their custody. Other than that, it doesn't matter. They could right. they could right. see someone assaulting you across the street, and they cannot be held liable for not jumping in and doing something. Right, right. And so the you, law is written in a way to shield police, and also, uh, and and I think as many things start out with the best of intentions, as they say, the road to hell is paved with these things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Laws put in place to protect officers from being held liable for things that occur during the course of performing their duties, which uh, which in some cases involves. Um, hurting or killing suspects for one reason or another, justified or not. Now, I think it should be only when justified. And I think there should be, rather than internal um, investigations into these things, there should be civilian oversight. And I think that should be one of the reforms that comes about as a result of bringing attention to this. It's very important um, because we do need them to be held to a higher uh, account to help, yeah. help account for their actions and to higher standards. And I think only through that will the issue begin to resolve itself. You know, once they know that there's another someone else watching and keeping an eye on it, that maybe they're going to think twice. Um, it's hard to do when you're in the heat of a situation. I don't, I've, I've, I've been lucky to never have been in like battle or in war, but I can only imagine what it's like when you're in the middle of something like that going on, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but Man, I mean, that's like, again, we could we could go on. But my point was this is that is that, yeah, I do recognize that there is is an issue with police brutality. Um, I I am still unconvinced that it is a systemic racist issue. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that that would mean that, you know, every police department across the country is involved in this conspiracy. No, 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 no. No, that's not what that means, Nick. That's okay. not what that means. I got to stop you with that. I'm sorry. But that, again, I'm saying it happens throughout the system. There are people within the system that keep being, that that have racist mindsets or ideologies that they're not even aware of sometimes that are enforcing what they're doing in their job. So I'm not saying every institution has it. I'm not saying every white person is racist. Please read my lip. I'm not, no, not every institution is racist. Okay. And not all the people in this institution is racist. Right. 
I'm saying throughout the system in okay. parts and places, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe in, in, you know, a city in Oklahoma, there's no racism. There's not, none of it. There's no, the cops are doing great. The citizens are happy. You know what I mean? That's great. I'm I happy. Think, I think that's where, where our fundamental, our fundamental misunderstanding lies is in the, right. in the definition of systemic. No, it's, I don't even think it's a definite because we just talked about it. We talked our under, about our understanding of the definition of systemic or my understanding. Yeah. I think the interpretation that people are getting and yeah. the kind of the, again, the broad labeling of things. Cause you just said like, like, <laughs> yeah, when you said, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry again for cutting you off. I never like cutting someone off. Okay, um, cool. So I apologize for that. Um, yeah. It was just one of those moments where I like, I didn't even want your viewers to think that for a second. Um, and even then education, I could bring up systemic racism in there where there's constant police force being used against small children that are black, um, as well as some that are white, just in case, you know, people care about that as well. If that helps you care about it more, uh, the amount of force is being used against small children, well, period. Any, any children, I don't care what color yeah. they are, man. It's horrible. I, I am. These are slamming oh, yeah. kids down on the floor. It's awful. Yeah. It's yeah. awful. So when you say systemic, that's, that's education. We're talking about the court system. We're talking about the police system. Those are all the different institutions themselves that have shown cases of racism. That's that's it, essentially. There's racism within the institution. Not that everyone in the institution is racist. Oh my God, I think I explained that really good. It I did. That's, that was beautiful right there. In fact, I wish we could share that with more and more people and hopefully people watching this will share this with other people. Yes. Because that is the fundamental misunderstanding or mis right. miscommunicated idea that's floating around between the, the, the different people around around that are around this subject these days. So that was great. Cool. I think cool. I think if, if anything, bro, that right there was, that was, like, it. That was worth it. The gem, the key <laughs> takeaway moment was that right there. Oh, good. Okay, good. That was, that was beautiful. Yeah. Um, but we like you said, we've got so much more to discuss yes. on this subject. So you're definitely gonna have to come back. Yeah. In the meantime, um, I, I'm going to go ahead when after this, after we're done with this, you can send me uh, that playlist and happy, link to happy. anything, anything else you want to share. So for our yeah. viewers, we're going to have that in the description section of this video, and also for our podcast listeners, it's going to be in the show notes, so that you can uh, click on those links and do the research for yourself. So that way, next time we have Sean back, you'll be a little bit better informed and, right. and educated as to what these subjects are or, or what the things that Sean is talking about. And so that way we can all have a better understanding of the subject and therefore move the conversation forward and hopefully, you know, reach a sense of understanding. Uh, and, and of course, ultimately peace, which yes. is what we all want here. Yeah. Can I say like, like a couple last more things too? Do we have time for that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cause even with the, um, with the case you were talking about in the beginning in San Francisco, right? Um, like the, the kind of stories where people say that that someone's starting a race war, when that kind of language is used, it really worries me, right? Because again, it's the kind of language that I tend to hear from one side, which tends to be the conservative minded people, right? And, and I'm not saying, again, that's a broad label. I'm not saying every conservative says that or thinks that or believes that, absolutely not. I'm saying the number of times I've heard conservative pundits say it or other people that believe it or you saying it today, it, it's one of those moments that I, I wanted to address in a very serious and sincere way that in terms of, of what it means to have a race war and what that is, it's 
it's it's horribly frightening. And it's something that I think that whatever people think the left is saying, that that's not, that's not at all it. That's not, that's nowhere near it. And that every life that's lost, whether it's a police officer or a protester, we should care about it more. Empathy is what is actually a unifying human trait for all of us. Mm -hmm. As soon as we think from whatever news sources that we're going to, that, that lean left or lean right, whatever those news sources are, I think it's up to us to decide that we're not going to do that, that we're not going to look for ways to have a war with each other, that we're going to look for ways to have this dialogue and share resources that we can actually talk about further and that we battle with our words and our hearts more in a, in a loving way mm. and not battle in this way that's dividing us. You know what I mean? Um, it's really important that I stress that because even, even the cop that said those things about slaughtering N-words, right? When I looked into that story further and I read the police report, I'm, I'm reading this from a police report. Uh, as soon as I saw it on a, on a news site, I looked it up. I like doing the primary source kind of thing, right? Yeah. Primary sources, secondary sources, right? So the primary source, I usually check out nine, eight out of 10 times usually. Um, and when I saw that his reasons and his justifications that he said he was stressed at his work, that the protests have been stressing him out as well, that he had seen a video of someone black saying that they should go kill cops, hmm. right? That he saw another video about a about black people having their shoes kissed by white people. Mm -hmm. and he said that he started believing that black people want white people to be their slaves now. Right. right? And, and then when I looked that video up, Nick, I looked that video up, I, saw I made sure to double check it. And it was this black supremacist group, mm -hmm. right? That, that was offering or requesting white people to own up to their guilt or something like that. And these white people weren't being forced to kiss their shoes. They were willfully doing that. Right. These, this one white woman enjoyed it and she was like, mwah, mwah. she started licking the boot and it was, it was weird, man. I'm not gonna lie, it was weird. Yeah. It was so weird to look at that. So again, this was something that was a black supremacist group. And, um, and, and in terms of even saying that, like, Again, those black people do not represent me, right? I want to make sure that's understood. They do not represent Black Lives Matter, okay? That each, each in the same way that the NRA is this, this, this symbol for for conservative America that that they're protecting the Second, you know, uh, Amendment. Um, it's, it, I want to at least draw somewhat of this reflection that the, in terms of what BLM is doing, and whatever you think their founders care about or represent. It's they can't be held accountable for all these people right. that are doing things in their name, right? right? Or saying that this is why I love Black Lives Matter and I'm going to hurt these people or shoot this cop and do all these horrible things that, again, has never been endorsed by the official Black Lives Matter organization. And then on top of that, maybe we'll say this for another time, but I'd say I'd say the importance of seeing what this organization is doing, seeing what people are doing individually, that I know I'm not blindly following Black Lives Matter. I know when they suggest petitions or or rallies to, to get a different person into office or things like that, I'm still researching the politicians myself. I'm still checking out you know, the kind of policies that each person has. I just wanna remind um, whether you're liberal, whether you're conservative, whether you're independent, libertarian, anything, that a lot of people 
are smarter than you think they are and that we're not just blindfully doing things because some group tells us to. And I really wanted to stress that out too. I really emphasize that. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Well, that's a, that, yeah, that, that, that was a lot you put in right there, but. Um, I did. I did. Uh, I did. Uh, you know. <laughs> did. Oh, and one more thing. I found out that the person that assaulted uh, Philip Anderson, uh, his name was Adrora Anderson, I believe. Uh, and he's, uh, he's this, um, yeah, he's also, he's also seems to be a person of color. So when you were upset about the racism from the left side, mm -hmm. it was something that in terms of black person calling another per black person that, uh, that's, that's like a more acceptable thing. Of course. Um, I don't sure. use the word by the way, I don't personally use it in any of my friendships or in my hatred of someone. Um, but some people do, some people use it as a friendly term. Some people use it as I'm angry at you term. Right. So again, just to clarify that and bring some more knowledge and awareness to that, I just wanted to offer that as well. Um, yeah. and again, much love and respect to anyone hurt right now, any violence. Um, it's painful to see on both sides. And I, I just, I care about, uh, the point of why people are being violent and understanding why there's so much unrest right now. And I think that's something we could all learn from, you know? Absolutely, man. And I think I think it's a dangerous thing to generalize based on, you know, anybody's station in life, whether that be uh, as a protester uh, or an organization or a police officer or a person of color or a person, you know, of not color. You know, I, I don't understand that whole thing because I have color, too, dude. I'm not translucent. But anyway, but we get, we get, you know, we get. I mean, we'll break that down, too, next time if you want. Yeah, because, again, yeah. police showed up and there was a crime. They'd look at me a lot sooner than they look at you just to be stereotypical, stereotypical. I'm being stereotypical mindfully in that. I get you. No. And you're right. Okay. And, I, and I don't, I don't disagree with that. And that's something that I hope one day we can change, man. But I think having a conversation about it at least is, is a good starting point. Yes. And I think, yeah. I, and I hope that more people are having these conversations with people that, that aren't necessarily on the same side as them uh, ideologically or politically or or even in color, you know, start yeah. talking to the people that 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 you don't always agree with and find that common ground or find out what it is that that person is feeling yeah. and thinking so that you can better empathize and understand and hopefully reach an agreement, reach some kind of solution to the problem. Right, and right. That's what and that's what it starts with. It starts with dialogue. So, yeah. So like, again, I'm so happy I had you on and didn't dude. We have much more to cover. So I hope you will. Of course. Yeah, man, I'd be happy to. And it, if anything, it makes me feel happy to come back here because, you know, we're doing that research together. We're bringing up stuff together. You, we're, we're doing our best to always, you know, let each other like finish their sentences and listen and care. Um, and and I really appreciate that that moment when I said how I felt to you, you took it in. You know what I mean? Um, and and even if you even if I was the one that was upsetting you. And if you said something like that to me, I want you to know, Nick, I would take a step back too and try to cool out and, you know, ease off. And, um, and that's something I want to share with every viewer also is that whenever you feel like you're getting heated or you're getting like, it's a personal attack, take a breath, you know, ask more questions instead of stating more um, demands or answers and, and get to that place of curiosity and, and empathy more than wanting to be right. You know, cause I, I love people more than I love being right. And I think that's something I wanted to share with people too. Thanks, man. Thanks again for this. I appreciate that, you. That's a great, that's a great place to end, end right there. You know, love people more than you love being right. 
and i wish a lot more people would feel that way so that's the goal man hopefully yeah. it's just by being we can share it with others so thank you so yeah. much for for coming on and sharing that with us and and um love you brother love you stay safe out there and we'll talk again soon we'll do we'll do yeah All man right. so have a great one everyone you too bye <laughs> wow Whew. i told you it was gonna get heated folks <laughs> man but i i love sean you know he's um like i said so he's just such a great guy and such a great person. And, I, and I'm so glad that he took the time to sit with us and um, give his position on it. And, and really, it, like I said, enlightened me quite a bit um, as to my understanding of things, especially when you're talking about systemic, the word systemic, systemic racism, you know, throughout these um, institutions. So great stuff. And I, I'm looking forward to having him back on the show, as I'm sure you are. So um that's it for today's show. Uh, you know, again, I hope we left you entertained and a little more informed than when we started today. And once again, I would like to thank our guest, Sean Hill, who definitely opened up my perspective on the issue of race in America, as I hope he did with you as well. And if you're interested in learning more about Sean, you can find a link to his website and social media on the, so on the show description and notes section of this podcast. And I'd also like to thank you, our viewers and listeners, for tuning in. And once again, if you like what we're doing over here, head on over to patreon.com slash freeamericapodcast and show us a little love. You can also find this episode and others where you listen to podcasts such as Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. And while you're there, please leave a kind word and a high rating if you like our show. And make sure to stop by freeamericapodcast.com and subscribe to our site where you'll find this episode and others along with special reports from out in the field, as well as news articles covering issues not discussed on the mainstream media. So for now and the foreseeable future, I'm Nick Yaya. And remember, this November, you don't have to vote Republican, okay? But for the love of God, please don't vote Democrat. <laughs> Good night, everybody.